Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Kayla, and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office, will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. But before you do that, let's hear from Podo Paramita, a graduate coach from Wellesley and Columbia, about her experience in college. Hi, Poto. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, this is going to be another episode where we talk to an admissions expert kind of about their experience in college so we can all kind of gain some insight and everyone can hear from someone who's already gone through the application process, already kind of lived through college. Um, And I wanted to have Poto on today because she is definitely admissions expert. If you've read our blog, you've definitely seen her name. Um, And she also has some unique experiences with admissions and college. So I'm excited to talk about that today. I'm so excited to talk about my own adventures and, you know, hopefully help someone. Awesome. So I kind of want to go through your whole process, I guess, uh, along the timeline of your life, I guess, Um, kind of starting from your application and then moving on towards what college was like and then graduating college and what you're doing now. Um, So starting with your application, so you are actually an international student um, and applied from outside of the U.S., which can be even more difficult for students, um, even more competitive. So I'm interested to hear kind of what your whole application process was like and what your application looked like. Yeah, so I was an international student from Bangladesh and I think growing up, I knew I wanted to go to college in the United States, but I didn't really have a lot of information on what good schools were necessarily. So I lacked the resources to know you know, names of any schools beyond just the Ivy League. So the biggest challenges were kind of trying to figure out, well, how the process worked. I didn't even know what the common app was until like September of the year I was applying. Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest resource was other students and kind of just picking their brains on their application process and figuring out how to figure out you know, just what the right school is for me without having the means to visit because in the middle of the school year, it was very hard to just like, you know, pack up my bags and go across the world, fly a thousand miles and start visiting colleges when I have my own, you know, schoolwork and exams and things. And I also just didn't know how much you had to do things. Like I'd done activities and extracurriculars that were kind of focused on writing, which was my main interest and somehow cooking because there was just a lot of food (laughs) clubs that I was in, but it was hard to have access to the information that I know now as part of Ingenious Prep, like having a theme to your application or how you should specialize in one particular area. And somehow I look back, you know, sometimes I look back and I'm like, how did I get into college? Because truly the process just seems so specific that I didn't know at the time. And I was lucky enough to be in an international boarding school for the last couple of years of high school. 
And what I did have at the time was access to a lot of college fairs and visits by admissions representatives who would come and discuss their colleges and I would talk to them afterwards. And I would learn a lot from those fairs. My guidance counselor wasn't very helpful. I feel like it really is a hit or a miss in a matter mm -hmm. of luck, like who, which year, whatever. And they only allowed us to apply to six colleges on the Common App, which made it very tough because they didn't want us all to like kind of butt heads against each other. So it was like, I had two reaches, two targets and two safety schools, which was honestly just pretty much a very bad decision looking back at it because it was a big risk. And I think because writing was my main interest, I kind of wrote about my work as a teen journalist and how important it was to bring out the voices of youth through writing because I was like 15, 16, 17, working for a newspaper back home while going to school in a different country. And I centered my essay on how my work at a publication I'd grown up reading had given me a lot of imposter syndrome and eventually I started coming out of my shell and started sharing my stories with others and I think the personal statement and just like using my writing ability which I think is works as my biggest asset to stand out in the admissions process really helped. Yeah I feel like there's kind of a lot to learn and glean from there even for students who are listening who might not be international students. Um, I think I've talked to a lot of students who are maybe first gen or, um, or first generation college students or their parents just maybe didn't go to the most competitive college and they were kind of in the same place that you were, like never having heard of the Common App, not really knowing what any schools are besides like the really famous ones. Um, so I think that's even outside of international students kind of a common experience. Um, and hopefully, you know, resources like this kind of start to help students. Um, but I think you kind of looking back at your application and wondering how you got in is something that I do a lot too. Um, and kind of looking back similar to you, I've kind of looked back and thought, oh, there kind of was a theme there centering around, uh, mine was also kind of centered around writing and journalism. Um, and so it's interesting to look back and see, oh, I guess that did happen. Um, but now it's even more competitive, especially for international students as the years have gone on. So it's so important to do that intentionally rather than it just kind of happening by mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in situations like this, especially now with COVID, that you're not able to travel as much, take advantage of free websites, podcasts, just like webinars as much as you can so that you can really get an insight into what really is going on inside the admissions office haha pun but <laughs> you know just figure out what it is that makes you tick and just roll with it in your application basically is my advice in one one sentence yeah definitely it definitely takes a lot of insight and also just a lot of research and reading and like you did talking to people um, I think talking to current college students at schools you're interested in is a huge asset and a huge way to learn a lot of things. Um, and I feel like it's pretty easy to find college students who are either work in the admissions office somehow or just on campus that are kind of willing to help younger students. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned you applied to six schools. Obviously, you applied to Wellesley, which is where you eventually went. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm curious how you kind of decided which schools were right for you, um, deciding which ones to apply to, and then why you eventually chose to go to Wellesley. 
So I think I initially, very initially, I was like, okay, I want to attend a journalism school very specifically, like no other topics. I want to study journalism. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think 2013, which is the year I applied to colleges was a very important year of my life. And it kind of helped me just kind of figure out things. And while I was just going through a lot, I was journaling all the time. And that helped me realize that I really like creative writing and I like creating stories. And a lot of the times I would watch like a lot of TV, you watch a lot of TV in high school and I would see ads and I would see like, oh, that would be fun to kind of come up with different concepts for ads and things. So then I like realized that maybe I don't want to limit myself to necessarily applying to journalism school and because of again those college fairs that were happening in my school I realized that you know liberal arts college is a thing and that is one thing that a lot of students don't necessarily realize that you know liberal arts keeps you with an open mind gives you a lot of options to just kind of explore what you like before settling on a major and I really appreciated that so I think four out of the six schools that I applied to were liberal arts college and I chose Wolsey specifically because the three Bangladeshi students who had, you know, gone to my high school the years before were all at Wellesley. So I kind of used them as a resource and I found out more about the school and just wanted to apply because I, it wasn't necessarily because it was a women's college. I never really thought I would go to a women's college, but it sounded really appealing. And I think for me, the biggest factor, it sounds really silly, but it was that Wellesley has five dining halls <laughs> and I think for me being away from home one of the most important things is that you know I stay in a good mood don't feel homesick and I thought you know having that option for different food would really help and another thing that really stood out to me was on the website that it said at Wellesley you can't not write all the time and I kind of like read through the English faculty's bios and the work they had done. And there were so many of them that I was really excited to work with and learn from that that school really stood out to me. And I was really excited when I got in. Yeah, I think it's it's really important that you both looked at the academics, of course. You made sure that like the programs there were something you were interested in and that the faculty could help you. Um, but I also think like sometimes I hear parents say, you know, my student is looking at these schools and they're just looking at the athletic facilities and they're just looking at the dorms and that's how they want to make their decision. And of course, you shouldn't make your decision just on that. Um, but, you know, it is important to look at those other things like dining halls because you are living there for at least four years, hopefully, once students start going back to campus regularly and everything. Um so, you know, those are things that you want to look at, especially if you're moving far from home, even just, you know, to a different state or across the country or across the world. Exactly. Like those things can make such a difference. And I think one thing that I wasn't sure how it was going to work out was the weather. And I did have a lot, you know, of struggles adjusting to the heavy snow that mm. comes in Boston. But I think just like the other things that were happening and there was a lot happening just every day at college that made up for it and helped me just, you know, kind of get out of bed and look forward to each day and kind of just like the friends I made. It was a great environment. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to be, you know, your best self or doing the best in your academics if you're struggling with your environment or you're not feeling like yourself or your mental health isn't right. So that is really 
an important thing to look at. Um, I think the other great thing, and we did an episode, a few episodes ago, specifically about liberal arts colleges. So if this interests any of the listeners, I would highly recommend going back and listening to that because we dive into it much deeper. But um, I think, like you talked about, one of the best things is how open it is and how it lets you um, kind of explore different areas because I know like when I was a student or a high school student like you, I was pretty set. I wanted to do public relations. I was pretty set on doing that. I wanted to do more journalism. Um, and once I got to college, I kind of moved away from that and that's not what I ended up doing. Um, but you know, if you or I had ended up going to a school that was specifically just for journalism, Um, or didn't have as many programs, you know, you kind of get stuck. So even if you feel like you have a really good idea of what you want to do, you know, you never really know. You want to, if possible, keep your options kind of open. Right. I think when you're in high school, and it might be hard to imagine right now, but you are going to change and you're going to meet new people. You're going to develop new interests and you're going to want to try new things. So I think it's definitely very important to keep an open mind. And if we had both gone to journalism school, we probably wouldn't be here right now. And that would be sad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So something you mentioned about Wellesley is that obviously it's a women's college. Um, And like you mentioned, that wasn't something that you were specifically looking for, um, but you obviously ended up going to a women's college. So um, I'm curious just about your experience. I feel like going to an all women's school or college is kind of this like elusive mystery of like, what is it like there? Is it super boring? Um, or is it super strict or something like that? So I'm really interested to hear your experience and kind of, I guess, dispel some myths. Right. Yeah, totally. I think the stigma around women's colleges, I understand why it exists, but I'm here to tell you that it is totally a myth. Like I had a fantastic time. I just felt like there was so much support from everywhere. And when I'm, you know, when you are someone who hasn't felt represented in their field, whether it's like STEM or, you know, computer science, economics and things, and you see a room full of, you know, non cisgender men, who are trying their best to learn in these academic fields, you feel inspired and it builds your confidence. You're like, okay, like I, you know, a 19 year old woman can also achieve this. And that kind of just overwhelming support is really great. And I, you know, gone to co-ed school on all my life, but honestly, I didn't notice anything different in the classrooms if anything people were just like more competitive and more you know geared to succeed and kind of just like be you know the next powerful woman in their field or whatever and it's not true that there's no men at all like there are students who identify as men on campus there are male professors um staff members just anywhere you go my library had like so many men around and um there are students who will cross register so wellesley had a program with mit babson which is a business school nearby and olin school of engineering which is also in the town of wellesley where students can take the bus and go to these colleges or students from these other classes uh, or like other schools came to our classes and took courses there for credit so you would meet people so it wasn't bad and the town was nearby and you could just see men exist in the real world and it was fine it's really not bad and i think that it's just a matter of you know taking advantage of all these resources like this bus that can allow you to take 
classes at MIT or whatever, I remember there was a couple of guys in my stats class who would just fall asleep in the back of the room. And <laughs> no one was like, you know, blinking an eye that there was a man there. So it truly isn't a nunnery or anything. Right. It's definitely like you're not going to see a man for four years when you go to college if that's something that you're really worried about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something I else, else I wanted to hit on with the women's colleges is I think... F- and specifically with liberal arts colleges, too, is just kind of the strong alumni network. Um, something that I've noticed with you and one of our coworkers, Mariana, who was actually on the podcast um, a while back, um, is also from a small liberal arts college, is that the alumni community is very strong and it's a really strong network. Um, and there's a lot of you know opportunities and students, you know, past students helping each other get jobs and hiring people from their alma mater. Um, So I think that's something really cool about those small colleges is even though there's not as many people in the alumni network, it's something that is still a huge resource. So I guess just another kind of pro to keep in mind. Yes, 100%. There are Wellesley groups for everything. There's like Wellesley alums in the workplace, Wellesley alums, you know, struggling with relationships, Wellesley fashion group, hiring, roommates, whatever. And it's not even just Wellesley. Wellesley is part of the Seven Sisters Colleges. So it's a group of seven historically women's colleges. So that includes Smith, where Mariana went. And you kind of just can reach out to this broader network no matter what you need. And I feel like that is a common ground that people hold with each other and can discuss things that you know can be like oh like what was your college like or what was this college like I think one of the ways in which that has particularly taken place in my life is in housing my first year after graduation I lived with three Wellesley alums and and when I was New Haven last year my roommate was a Mount Holyoke alum and this year I live with a friend from Wellesley and a grad from Bryn Mawr so it's kind of like you know women's college graduates are everywhere and willing to help each other out no matter what you know or where they're everywhere also so that really helps yeah it's just a really good kind of community all around so yeah like I said just kind of something to keep in mind um so I guess getting more into the pros of smaller schools or women's schools or just kind of your experience in general um what was your favorite part of attending wellesley yeah i just love the people it's a cliche answer but i feel like i met my best friend every semester (laughs) like each semester added a new person to my life who was becoming an important you know part of my circle and just just like helping me get to know their world and understand new things and it really helped that you know like any conversation you had was just like so enriching and it could be about you know tv or politics or just like decorating our rooms i felt like i got so much energy from the people and the other thing i loved is that honestly there's so much to do i i'm a person who loves staying busy all the time and i feel like wellesley introduced me to so many new things and unlocked different sides of me like I am a very shy person at first but as I tried to you know tried out new things at Wellesley I started growing and I think I was involved in a variety of things like I was an RA and like a freshman orientation mentor and those are things I would never imagine doing as a first year but I was you know leading a group of other first years or like you know in charge of my own floor in the res hall and that was really cool and then I was part of um, this committee that was a big planning group that organized concerts so I hung out with artists like Kehlani and just 
you know, help have, you know, make sure the college was having a fun time. And then I was involved in the International Students Organization. I stage managed plays and some of my, I met some of my best friends through theater. I was working at the campus bar. And I think my absolute favorite part had to be that my last two years of Wolsey, I was living in the sustainability co-op or scoop where 14 very different individuals basically lived together, cooked together, made a family. And it just taught me so much about love and also helped me realize how much I love cooking. And so I started cooking mainly as a part of Scoop and just simply have not stopped since because I think I was like, it just became such a part of my daily routine. And, you know, Wellesley taught me like that very important skill that is such a big part of my survival and also just like general enjoyment. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we talked about in the liberal arts college episode as well is just how many opportunities there are. Uh, Even though it's maybe a smaller campus, there are still so many groups and clubs. And because there aren't as many students, there's kind of more opportunities to take on responsibilities or leadership opportunities. You know, since there isn't 100 different people trying to stage manage the same play, you know, more people can kind of have those opportunities. Um, And like you did kind of learn new things and do new things that you took with you later on after you graduated, which I think is great. And kind of, you know, the whole point of college in general. Yeah, totally. I think the small school size really helped build a tight-knit community. And it's not small enough that you know everyone or that everyone's in everyone's business, but it's small enough that, you know, you can walk down the road, see your friend and say hi, and, you know, can get involved in things more easily and feel welcome in any environment. And it's not just like crowded with like 200 people in a club or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I went to a very large school at the University of Michigan, and it's something that was kind of definitely very different. You know, class sizes were huge. The student body was huge. You know, I would frequently walk across campus and see no one that I knew, which on some days, if I wasn't feeling great, was fine. But, you know, um, it's a very different experience. And if, you know, you're looking for a smaller school that maybe feels a little bit more similar to high school with a smaller number of students, then, you know, that's the kind of school that you should probably be looking at. Right. It totally depends what kind of person you are and what you're looking for out of your college experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, So getting back to academics a bit, so obviously you mentioned that at first you were really interested in journalism and then you kind of turned more towards, you know, thinking about advertising, but writing was still a really big part of your life. Um, So I'm interested because I know so many students struggle to figure out what they want to do and what they want to major in. Um, So I'm interested in hearing your kind of journey in finding your major um, and what you ended up majoring in at Wellesley. Yeah, absolutely. So that this is where the thing about, you know, liberal arts college and liberal arts education that having an open mind is so important because because of that interest in writing and advertisement, I was like, oh, I will be an English and econ major. So my second semester of my first year at Wellesley, I was taking like an English class, some other class that was for a requirement of like Spanish for the foreign language requirement, and then Econ 101, and then an intro class to gender studies, which is something I'd never studied before, but everyone was like, oh, when you're at Walls, you have to take one course in the women's studies department. So I was like, okay. And the thing is, Econ 101 was just so math heavy, and it was not bringing me any joy. And it turned out I was writing and like working on more assignments around advertisement in the gender studies course than I would ever get to in econ, just like the full major for the next four years. And I was kind of like, can I really imagine 
myself studying this for the next seven semesters? And the answer was no, because in my gender studies class, every single paper I was writing was on like my favorite character in Glee or like representation of Disney princesses and things like that. And that was making me so happy. So I'm big on pop culture, as you know. And so to, you know, imagine that I could spend the rest of my time in college just studying TV shows or music or movies for fun or just for like great and out grades would just come and be a bonus with it that really appealed to me about gender studies so I was like okay so I'm going to major in English and gender studies so the reason I didn't pursue creative writing at first was because I believe you needed 10 credits for a regular English major and then 12 for uh or just like 12 classes for a regular creative or to add creative writing as a concentration which comes within the English major at Wellesley so I thought oh if I double major I probably wouldn't be able to do this but it turned out that I ended up taking so many creative writing classes at the end of junior year I realized that if I just took two classes and I pursued an honors thesis I could add the creative writing major and it made me really happy because I think more so than studying literature and reading books as important as that is my main you know, calling even is writing and it made me really happy to finally end up with a English major with a concentration creative writing and then women and gender studies major. Yeah, I think that's kind of something I hear a lot when I talk either on the podcast with people about what they major in or just in life is that most of the time people just kind of stumble into their majors. They don't have a really clear plan. Um, like you, it's like, oh, I never thought I would take this class, but I really enjoy it, and I enjoyed it so much that now it's one of my majors, or you kind of accidentally stumbled into being able to have that concentration, um, which I hope is just kind of calming, I guess, to students, that you don't have to have it all figured out when you go into college, and especially if you're at a school with a more open curriculum, or that's, um, you know, more open to students kind of experimenting and moving through majors, that you know, you can spend the first two years of college just figuring it out and you're still going to come out perfectly fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously we also have to talk again about the admissions side of it and applications. I don't want to leave anyone without too much hard information from this episode. So um, for students who are interested maybe in a school like Wellesley or a liberal arts college, if they hear what you're talking about and they think, you know, this is a place that could be for me, um, do you have any advice for, you know, what that student's application should look like or the things that they should do in high school to kind of look good to a school like that? Right. So I think, you know, as always, just do not count out liberal arts colleges when you're thinking about your school list, just because they're not in the Ivy League or whatever, like they are pretty much as prestigious and nearly as competitive. If anything, you are competing for fewer spots. So it's, you know, not something to take for granted, take your application very seriously. And when you're preparing your application and writing supplemental essays, for example, think about how you would be able to benefit from a tight knit community or what you can bring from your current community to that school community. And, you know, even if the essays don't specifically write ask for this, but it might be helpful in a Y school essay. Think about how you would take advantage of things like cross registration or a small class size or any opportunity that you have 
and like i mentioned like one of the best things is that you meet new folks all the time and you if you're a people person that's something that's very valuable to add in your essay is that how you would make you know take advantage of human resources and i think another thing is that just you know cliche as it is be yourself but remember that these activities are what you would hope to carry on um, to college. So be careful about what you decide to put on your activities list because admissions officers will try to picture, oh, how will the student participate in this activity when they're in our college? And if it looks like you haven't really done the research and you know one particular club that you talk about isn't available at that school, they'd be like, oh, this person hasn't done the research. So make sure you, you know, go through the website, learn about offerings, watch YouTube videos, follow their Instagram, whatever it takes to just get to know the school and get to know the process and what makes liberal arts colleges special before you apply. Yeah, I think it's possibly even more important to do that for liberal arts colleges, especially if you aren't very familiar with them. Um, because, you know, I think, you know, the, the college experience that's portrayed, you know, in movies or TV shows, everyone is kind of familiar with. And if you go into your liberal arts application, kind of writing like that's the experience they're going to have at their college, um, you know, that's probably going to be a bit confusing and isn't going to fit with what that school is really doing. So, yeah, I think research and knowing exactly what that school can do for you so you can talk about what you can do for the school and the community as well is super important. Awesome. So that was kind of your, I guess, college experience all wrapped up very quickly. Um, so I also want to talk about kind of what you did after graduation and what you're doing now. So obviously you've been out of school, out of Wellesley for several years now, um, and you are actually in grad school now at Columbia um, in their writing program. So Obviously, I don't want to get too nitty gritty into graduate school admissions since that is, you know, not what this podcast is about. But um, first, I'm kind of wondering about your decision about going back again to school and I guess kind of how you knew it was the right time and not going right after college, everything kind of like that. Right. So I wasn't really sure that I wanted to go to grad school immediately after college. And I definitely was not in a place just like physically or mentally to start school once again after four very, very tough years of just like, you know, just getting in the academics and whatnot. So I was like, okay, let's see what the, you know, quote unquote real world is like for a bit. So I graduated in 2018 and I started doing some freelance writing, more theater, stage management and things like that. And then around February of last year, I got this job at Ingenious Prep and I've been working on the marketing team, basically creating our content such as blogs and e-resources and things, as well as working as a graduate coach and helping other students pursue their college applications. And I think in the process, I kind of realized that oh, now that I've seen what this is like, maybe I can be more confident enough to attempt this for myself. And the thing is like, I have always been a writer and I love writing so much, but with, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have the money to just like make sure I could sit and write all the time. And then once I got this job, I didn't have the time to make sure I didn't have sit, I couldn't sit and write all the time. So I think for me, an MFA, degree was the automatic choice as it would provide me with 
a supportive environment as well as tight deadlines that would push me to write and just like create you know hopefully like a book manuscript or just like my own collection of essays or whatever and that that's how I made the decision yeah I think it makes sense like you thought about it very practically obviously of how long you're out of school and the financials and everything like that um which is obviously so important to think about I think you know a lot of students who maybe aren't going to grad school or kind of aren't familiar with the process might be like oh well you can just go right out of college and it'll be fine um but like you said there's a lot of things to consider like will you get burnt out in financials and you know not having any experience outside of school so um yeah I think that makes a lot of sense yeah I think it was also just important for me to think oh what would I want in a year obviously when I was applying around October November I didn't know we would be hit with a pandemic but in hindsight I'm really glad I did it last year rather than just being stressed about it this year when I know that so many students are just like you know taking the impulsive decision to apply to at school I'm very grateful to have thought about it at a time that I had more time to reflect on it and just like choose schools that I knew I would enjoy rather than what would be a more you know, just like an impulsive decision. Yeah, I think obviously grad school is not something to take lightly. It takes a lot of time and effort not only to apply, but then once you're in school. Um, so definitely not something that you should do super impulsively. Um, and so like you said, you weren't really sure if you wanted to go to grad school when you were in college, but maybe for students who do know, maybe they know that they you know want to pursue research, which usually takes a graduate degree or they just kind of know already that they're going to end up having to go back to school for a graduate degree at some point. Um, I'm wondering if you can, I guess, give some tips on what you can do in undergrad um, to kind of help that along. So for students who are maybe going into college this year or the next couple years, what are things that they can keep in mind once they're there that will benefit them in the long run? Yeah, I think um, because grad school applications are super intensive and you have to express yourself in a number of ways, just keep working on your reading and writing skills because no matter what industry you're interested in, you will have to write like a statement of purpose or take the GRE, which I didn't thankfully have to do, but most other grad programs do require it. So take the GRE ahead of time. Um, Make sure if you're applying for something like in the arts or in the sciences that you have, experience that is relevant because you will need to submit a resume or talk about what you've done so far that has prepared you for a graduate level program and the other thing is that mentors are so important they will write your recommendations and they will help you you know just formulate your application and even though i like it's not necessary that you keep in touch with them. I think many students panic like, oh, I haven't talked to my professor in two years. How should I approach them to write a recommendation letter? The thing is that they will always understand and they will agree because they'll be happy to that you've chosen them and they'd want to recommend you, you know, wholeheartedly. So it's okay even if you haven't kept in touch, but it's really important that they are familiar with your work. And, you know, even if you send a reminder and be like, oh, in 2016, you and I worked on this together. And this is what you said at the time to just serve as a reminder because they do see so many students. So yeah, just keep writing, build a portfolio or just a series of experiences that can help show why you're interested in the program and then do, do the appropriate research. So I had to look up location, like being in the East Coast was super important to me. I had to look up 
faculty because uh, as a writing student, it's important who your mentors are and how, who can support you best in your chosen genre. And another thing that I really considered was financial aid. So if that's something that's important to you, see what has like full scholarships or grants that you can apply for and things like that. And there are a lot of just, you know, programs out there that want to help students and no matter what their case is. So it's really all about the research, you know, take advantage of Excel spreadsheets, honestly, to keep track of what you need and, you know, just start saving up money. Yeah, I think the kind of the earlier you know that it might be something you want to do, I guess the easier it is to prepare. Not that someone obviously can't do what you did and decide later that that's what they want to do, but if you do know, um, preparing early in college I think is definitely helpful, and I think mentors is honestly one of the really big ones for any type of graduate school, whether it's law school or med school or just a grad program um, that's more general. Um, you know, you always need those letters of rec and you always need those people there to support you. And that's something that I think a lot of students struggle with. Um, but those mentors can even help you with the research part, like you were talking about. The majority of professors or people that are teaching you at college are going to have some sort of grad degree or are going to be working through their grad degree. Um, so obviously they're going to know what the application process looks like. They're going to know faculty at other schools. They're going to know what are the good schools for your program. So really take advantage of those people that are there. Right. Don't take undergrad for granted 100%. If you know that this is the industry you want to pursue, see what's the most important for that. Because for a lot and lot of grad schools, it is your grades. So you want to keep a high undergrad GPA or at least a high major GPA for MFA, I think the most important com component is the writing sample. They want to see what kind of promise you bring. And for me, my undergraduate thesis gave me samples for every one of my writing, you know, components for the applications. And that wouldn't have happened had, had I not had the support at Wolsey to pursue a creative writing major and have that undergraduate thesis to support my application for grad school. Yeah, definitely. I think even for students that aren't thinking about grad school, they just want to go into their career. Um, your professors and the people at your school are still really important to network with. I know in my communications major, we had graduate student assistants that had worked on famous TV shows um, or people that had already worked in the marketing industry. And so connecting with people in the industry at large, too, while in undergrad is just so important. Um, so Yeah, networking has so much value. I, I had this at Wolsey and I'm sure other schools have it too where alums who are in a particular industry would come to college and just give their feedback and advice and offer their contact information to other students so take advantage of any talk by a famous physicist or a famous writer who whose work appeals to you and get in touch with them that's that can help you go a long way for sure yeah absolutely well awesome I know we kind of went through your whole education life very quickly but I hope that um, everyone listening was kind of was able to take different pieces of information and advice that were relevant to them um, or where they are in their application journey um, and I hope everyone got something out of it yeah thank you so much for having me on the podcast 
Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and like I mentioned mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, um, Poto writes a lot of our blogs and content um, and is one of our biggest admissions experts over at Ingenious Prep. So as always, I will link our blog in the episode description. Um, so if you want to hear more from Poto and her experiences, that is definitely the place to look. Uh, and as always, if you have any additional questions, if you want to recommend a potential topic um, or anything like that, my email is in the description or you can contact us on our social media at Ingenious Prep Everywhere. And of course, the link for our free consultation is down there as well if you're interested in talking to someone like me or Poto about your education journey or your application experience and you're in need of some help. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office. Mm-hmm.